morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Today is Wednesday, October the 6th, and we gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and continue to connect the dots from the Old Testament to Jesus in Leviticus, especially today in Leviticus chapter 19. And today we see various laws that the Lord proclaims to His people. But the Lord starts with what I would consider to be the theme verse that we had from the introduction of Leviticus. You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And today we see some of those holiness laws that are given that for some people would say, well, we don't need Leviticus. It's, it's, it's null and void. Get rid of it all. But then there's some passages today that, guess what, are reaffirmed in the New Testament and also are good for us today. So what do we do with that? Well, for us, we believe it and also appoints us to Jesus, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. A special thanks to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's Word, we have with us regular guest, Pastor David Boisclair of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Pastor Boisclair, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Well, it's great to be here this morning. And, well, Pastor... Um, and, and, okay. Keep, keep going. Yeah, and and, and uh, I'm just excited about this chapter. It's very good, uh, exciting. Everybody should get their Bibles open and ready. <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I tell you what, yesterday um, when we were talking about chapter 18, one of the discussions that we had was chapter 18 is very well known in argumentation for the church against Christianity. So, for example, it talks about sexual holiness and in chapter 18, people will say, well, wait a second here. It says earlier before that you shouldn't eat shrimp. And now you're using this against, you know, to say, well, we eat shrimp, but yet we're okay doing, uh, uh, we're okay with, we're, we're okay with other things. Uh, we'll eat shrimp, but you can't do this or whatever it might be. Well, chapter 19, I think is a chapter that we need to use at the same time is because chapter 19 tells us something that most people wouldn't disagree with. For example, love your neighbor as yourself. So I think it's a very important chapter for us to be able to dig into, um, to see it as authoritative, but also how do we interpret. And as you, our listeners, know, Pastor Boyce Claire does a great job of teaching. So I'm excited to see what his insights will be today. So Pastor, how will we just get into this? And can you begin our time in prayer? Certainly. Let us pray. Holy God, as Christians made holy by your Holy Spirit, we delight in the pure light of your holiness, the beauty of holiness. Grant that we eagerly read, mark, and learn your precious word of life, that we might live as your people in our dark and uncertain world. Be with us at this hour as we open our Bibles and study your word, that we may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen. Amen. Reminder to our listeners, if you have any questions concerning Leviticus chapter 19 or any parts of Leviticus, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or give us a call, 314-821-0850. 314-821-0850. Now, Pastor, I, I, I spoke about this a little bit, but chapter 19, I think, is a vital part 
of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 16 was a day of atonement, but today has a lot of various laws that are very important for us. So how do you want to start us off so we can hit the ground running? Well, I think, uh, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, in uh, chapter 18, you know, and specifically that there is a uh, the law sort of the bottom or the the end of the chapter against uh, mm-hmm. like what we would say is to be same sex uh, relationships or you know sexual relationships and and the, uh, probably the biggest argument uh, that modern uh, people trying to rationalize or, or um, justify that type of activity use is uh, this thing well we we are commanded not to eat shellfish. So uh, we we where God permits us to eat shellfish, so we're also permitted to uh, have uh, be able to do sexually what we want. Well, the thing is, is there's a difference. People need to always understand in reading the Bible that there are there is a difference between, uh, as uh, Dr. Kleinig in his uh, commentary calls ritual mm-hmm. law, or we would say ceremonial law, and a civil law. Those laws are no longer valid. The, the command not to eat shellfish is a uh, ritual or a ceremonial law. It is not a moral law. They're interspersed among these laws in Leviticus are moral laws. All of them are based upon the Ten Commandments, and they are still valid for the Christian today. And that's an important distinction for us to make. And, and Pastor, I, it, 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 I want to hear your thoughts on what would be the first thing you would tell somebody when they would say, yeah, but, but, but the shellfish, you know, but, but, but chapter 18, you're just using whatever you want. You don't actually believe that the Bible's all true. What would be your quick synopsis to someone who would say that to you? Well, I, I, I would say that that's, uh, you know, that that's something that God, the Holy Spirit gives you as, as a gift to be able to trust and believe in his word. It's interesting um, in in those um, in the Da Vinci Code movies, where the uh, specialist in signography uh, said to um, a religious person in the Vatican uh, that uh, they they said, "Do you you know do you believe in God? Do you believe in his word and stuff?" And he says, "Well, that is not a gift that has been given to me." So obviously, uh, we can also look at First Corinthians chapter two, which says, "The unspiritual man doesn't receive the things of." the Spirit of God. Now, how, how would I answer somebody that would say that is just say, well, uh, you know, as, as a Christian, this is what I believe. This is where I'm coming from. And, and uh, my hope and prayer is that you would uh, be uh, converted by the Holy Spirit uh, to believe the same thing. I love it. I love it. Because that's where we have to end the discussion, because we could talk apologetically or to defend the faith all day long. But if somebody does not believe, well, guess what? There's nothing we can do because we trust in the Holy Spirit to change hearts. And so I think that's an important um, a p- important reality for you, our listeners, and for Pastor Boyce, Claire, and I, is to trust in the Holy Spirit. Because guess what? Um, God has it all in his hands. And so we learn the word. Uh, we, we apply the word. We, we focus everything grounded on Christ. And we live holy lives as our Lord fills us with his holiness. And that's one of the great joys of Leviticus. So as you look at chapter 19, Pastor, uh, anything else you want to highlight thematically or anything else before we begin? Well, this this uh, chapter is vitally important because it has uh, our Lord Jesus's uh, second summary of the second part of the Ten Commandments. 
Uh, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, that, and it's easy to remember Leviticus 19.18. <laughs> uh, go 19.18, the verse uh, or the number before. And and uh, it, 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 it's, it, it's, it reads a lot like Proverbs. You know, there's a lot of, I mm. mean, there's Proverbs. It's like uh, there, think about yourself as, as a father of a family and you're the head of the household and maybe you sit down at the table with uh, your children and you speak to them uh, you know you would speak in the manner in which uh, God is speaking to his people in this particular chapter and that's why I think I want to go through this relatively slowly just to make sure that we're following these laws because one of the um, one of the great things about this is that you see the Lord's mercy in these laws is that he's uh, he's looking out for the poor he's looking out for the neighbor um he's focusing on our identity as one who is of the lord yahweh right and then it just has other ones that if somebody says well you know leviticus is this bunch of old rules and you're like no listen to it and see it because it also still applies to us today because we can look at leviticus and say ah that doesn't count at all. Jesus did it, fulfilled it all, but today we see ones that still apply today. Any thoughts before we begin, Pastor? Yes, and and I I think it's it, it, as as a Christian who is uh, reborn into the faith in Christ Jesus through holy baptism and through the word of His His grace, uh, we we delight in His law. If God were to send us a uh, uh, one of the things I hate reading is a, is like a long uh, book of directions. Even if God were to send us a book of directions on how to use a new device, we would rejoice oh. in the fact that it comes from our Lord God. And 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 you can see you, you can see sort of the divine thinking that's going on here. I think it's it's and it's just a real treasure that we have. Well, let's dig into it. Uh, open up our Bibles. As Pastor said, we are reading from the English Standard Version of Leviticus chapter 19, and we'll begin with the first eight verses. For, oh, excuse me, first four verses. We want to take a little slower. Leviticus 19. And the Lord God spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I am the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord Yahweh your God. Do not turn to idols or make for yourselves any gods of cast metal. I am the Lord Yahweh your God. Well, Pastor, I think we could spend the next hour on those four verses because it, it affects so much. Where do you want to begin? Oh, yes. And and uh, at first it says, you shall be holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy. As Christians, we realize that uh, God's desire for us is that we be holy. And so, and so in, it, in a sense, it, we, we should understand this as not sort of laying it in our lap. It's like, okay, here's, here's the rules, uh, kids. Uh, go ahead and do them. No, uh, it, the Holy Spirit does what uh, his name implies, as Luther says in his large catechism. He makes us holy as he is. And so God is saying, th this is the rationale that God uses uh, in, 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 in encouraging us to follow in, in his steps and, and following his law. Uh, so that it, it's, it's kind of, and, and this is the first step. Of course, there's, you know, it's interesting. They, they, he starts with in this chapter, um, that it, it is the first 
uh, commandment of the second table of the law, your uh, honor your father and your mother. And then there is, of course, the first commandment that is mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, because as Luther said, if we could keep the first commandment, we can keep them all. And so that's it's sort of like he starts with the uh, uh, the first commandment of the second table of the law, and then he and then he kind of connects it with the uh, first commandment, which talks about idols, of course. You know, maybe maybe sort of particularizing uh, the um, first commandment. And that's what's the one of the other interpretive principles is that what is said here, is it reaffirmed in the New Testament? And right there, we have three commandments that are reaffirmed in the New Testament as well. So first commandment, the affirmation of uh, you shall have no other gods. Uh, Third commandment, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And then the fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother. So if someone were to say, let's get rid of Leviticus, it does not apply. Well, then we would have to deny these first four verses because it, it connects throughout the Bible an eternal truth of who God is and who we are and how we are to live. So uh, and one other thematic understanding really for this whole book, Pastor, and I want to hear your thoughts is it says, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. This is how Dr. Kleinig started, said the basic premise of everything in this book is that the Lord is holy, and he gives his holiness to us so that we can be holy. What are your thoughts on, on that verse and the importance for us today? Oh, my goodness. I mean, Dr. Kleinig, by the way, I want to re- recommend to all all my brothers in the ministry and to the entire church, uh, Dr. Kleinig's magisterial uh, commentary on the book of Leviticus. It, it is it is a goldmine. It is a very precious book. Um, I And I would say that the, he pretty much explains all of Leviticus in, in those few words. So any, any other thoughts you have on it, though? Oh, yeah. Um, the the thing is, is when we understand about holiness, uh, you know, that's it's basically about being saints. Uh, the being a saint is being a holy one. Now, does that yeah, that means that we're that we are good, that we do the good that God desires. But it, it has the idea of being uh, set apart, uh, you know, as it speaks about our Lord Jesus Christ as being the uh, the holy one. It is that he is separate from sinners. And the idea is not to be like holier than thou or or uh, having an arrogant attitude toward people that are not Christian. It's just saying that we should not allow ourselves to be a part, you know, kind of engage in the evil and the uh, uncleanness of the world. That as 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 God's people, we are to be set apart. Uh, and so the word holy means to be uh, set apart for a uh, sacred use. So let's keep moving forward as we look at verses 5 through 8. And I really encourage you, to you our listeners, is to look at these and say, okay, how does this apply to us today? Because a lot of what we're going to read today does apply to us today. Verses 5 through 8. When you offer a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord Yahweh, you shall offer it so that you may be accepted. It shall be eaten the same day you offer it or the day after, and anything left over until the third day shall be burned up with fire. If it is eaten at all on the third day, it is tainted, and it will not be accepted. And everyone who eats it shall bear his iniquity, because he has profaned what is holy to the Lord, and that person shall be cut off from his people. 
So, Pastor, this would be an example of the first four verses. Like, okay, all right, three commandments. And then this one, you're kind of like, hmm, how does how does that relate? So what what's happening? Well, it, it, it uh, you know, it's interesting that it, it it's how God is using the law as, as a um, barrier for something that is harmful. Uh, you know, of course, I guess that kind of comes with our own scientific knowledge of, of how people can uh, get sick and, and get food poisoning very easily. Uh, but, you know, it's, 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 it's almost a blessing that God, in, in, in setting down his ritual law, also may have had that in mind. Uh, it, it, uh, it, it basically, it kind of points to the fact that we should put God first in our worship. Uh, a lot of times, if you read um, Mal- the, the prophecy of Malachi or, or other, or Haggai, some of the other uh, minor prophets, they state that, uh, you, you know, they are putting uh, diseased animals or, or, you know, in other words, uh, things that are not appropriate to uh, sacrifice to God. And so in this particular case is that after three days or after two days, then this uh, food that is used in, in the worship of God, it becomes uh, a, an unacceptable or it becomes carrion as uh, uh, Kyle mm-hmm. Dalich puts it. Uh, and it's not it's something that should be disposed of and not used, uh, you know, in, in, the, in, in this particular case, almost like a sacrament, isn't it? Where, where mm-hmm. an Old Testament sacrament where the uh, people of God, uh, you know, brought their uh, uh, meat uh, and it was it was to be, um, you know, of course, uh, butchered uh, before the uh, tabernacle. Uh, you know, and, and the reason that God did that was because there was a custom uh, at the time that any time you butcher your uh, meat, that uh, it is an offering to a god. And like in, out in the open field, there were gods in the open field uh, that, the, that the ancient Egyptians and other people would sacrifice, or be like sacrificing their, their meat. And, and that's why God said, okay, now we're going to use this as the worship of me. You know, even, even the butchering of your meat is, is, uh, is considered to be set apart or holy to me. And there's that reality that the peace offering, the meat, would be then given to the priest and his family for the sake of their own sustenance, because they didn't own land. They didn't own those kinds of things. So I do see a common theme throughout this time, that the Lord not only gives something so that it would be pleasing to him as an offering, but also would serve the neighbor. And so this is that kind of my first example of that, is that this is, you do this and do this order, not only for the sake of not being unclean and non-holy, but also for the sake of the neighbor, because if they eat it, the third day is no longer any good and, and so forth. So it really is that that mercy that God gives to his people is a common theme as well. So any last thoughts before we move on, Pastor? Yes, and, and I mean it. Just it, it, like I say, this is this is kind of the discourse that you would uh, with your children that you would you would say, you know, let's let's really look at this. We're we're a family of faith. We're here. We are, of course, a a, a human family, but also in the church. Uh, this is this is what uh, the father of the family, our Lord God, would would tell us and 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 encourage us to do, and and in in order to follow in His ways. And the fact that God, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, there, there are human uh, uh, things or human authority. No, 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 no. The, it's the only thing in the church and among God's people that we should consider authoritative is the uh, word and will of our Lord. 
Well, let's keep moving on as we hear the will of our Lord for us. Verses 9 and 10 are going to be um, another opportunity for the Lord to give to serve. 9 and 10. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourners. I am the Lord Yahweh, your God. I want to stop there because there's an explicit purpose here in these verses. What, what is that purpose? Uh, you know, it, it, it's basically to uh, remind the, the people of, or God's people that are blessed with property and, and with um, um, vineyards and orchards and uh, and fields uh, of grain that uh, there there are the poor. It's it's sort of illustrated by the book of Ruth. If you look at the book of Ruth, uh, you have Naomi and her daughter-in-law coming back to Judah from uh, from um, Moab, and and you and and they're they're very they're desperately poor, and so. Um, uh, Ruth has to go into uh, a field and and glean and 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 so it's like uh, you're you're basically uh, by not being a little bit too uh, picky and uh, uh, you know in other words uh, and and we we should be kind of wanting not to uh, lo- waste anything or or lose anything that uh, perhaps. Uh, you know, when something falls, you know, think, well, there are poor people that are that are needing to eat tonight and, and they need to uh, maybe come and, and uh, pick this up and eat it. So it, it's kind of like an, uh, it, it really is a fulfillment of uh, the commandment. Uh, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he gives a very practical reason. I am not a farmer. I didn't grow up on a farm. My, my parents did. My Both of my grandfathers were farmers. And you do see this reality after the harvest that you can see the, 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 the leftovers, you know, the parts that the big, the big uh, combine didn't pick up. And, of course, he could have hired me or somebody else to walk through those and pick them up. But a lot of times he would just, not my aunts and uncles, but I see this where they would send the cows out. And the cows will go and eat the leftovers and, and feed them. But here we're talking to serve your fellow human being, that you'd leave it out, you'd leave a section so that when the sojourners come and the poor have nowhere to go, that they receive that dab of grace, not only from the Lord, but through us, we're serving the people, not by giving them a meal every day, but doing that simple activity. And I think about that for our own lives. How can we provide for others in simple ways. He doesn't say, give up everything and do this. This is a simple way for the farmers to do it. So that's my encouragement to your listeners is how can you serve your neighbor in a simple way for those who are in need? So pastor, anything else before we move on to the next few verses? I, I just think it's a beautiful uh, commandment. Even, you know, it's very, um, I, I would say, I would class this, uh, these sayings as part of the moral law. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. this is not this would not be ceremonial. You know, it's always important, I think, to characterize uh, or, or categorize uh, these these laws. And this would be part of the moral law. That's a great point. Yeah, I think we should precursor that uh, from here on out is definitely through I, I would I'm guessing you're saying through verse 18 that we would call these moral laws. Uh, yes. Um, uh, yes. Yes. 
Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. I got it. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to keep you on your toes this morning, it's, Pastor. It's <laughs> interspersed. It's interspersed with ritual law because, as you know, there's right, a, right. A, there is an element of ritual law even in the Ten Commandments that we are to worship on Saturday. Uh, you know, on on right, uh, the right. seventh day. So so, but that that of course, God in, has given us the freedom in Christ to choose the day we worship, and and the church uh, in 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 joy chose Sunday. <laughs> so let's but keep, we should let's not keep. celebrate Sunday like in a, in a legalistic kind of a ritualistic way. In that, like it they could be. That did. It could be Saturday, it could be Monday, as the small catechism says, basically, whenever you're in the Word of God, it is a Sabbath. Um, Yeah, exactly. So let's keep moving on. Uh, Verses 11, I'll go through 14. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely. And so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired servant shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you should fear your God. I am the Lord Yahweh. So we deal with another commandment here, and what is he dealing with, or commandments? Yes, uh, there is the uh, seventh commandment, you shall not steal, uh, you shall not lie to one another, that's the eighth commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor. Uh, you, you, the second commandment's here, you shall not swear by my name falsely, yeah. you know, um, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain, um, and you shall not, uh, okay, then you, then uh, there, that's part of stealing and, and you know, holding a, a um, uh, worker's uh, wages until uh, the next day. Uh, and, and just it's, what's interesting is in verse 14, it kind of really gets uh, interesting when it says, do not curse the deaf who can't hear you, of course, and cannot defend themselves because they can't hear. And uh, you shall not uh, put uh, something that a blind person might stumble over uh, deliberately to harm them. And and so, you know, it, it's, it, it's uh, you know, really uh, the, these particular um Laws that that are that are that are in, uh, loaded with uh, that type of um, uh, specificity uh, are, are are just a blessing in in understanding what God means by His Ten Commandments. And I would argue that when you look at verse fourteen, um, and I think this goes a little bit into the oppressing your neighbor would be a fifth commandment issue. Not not yes. that you're hurting or harming your neighbor, but that are you help and helping and supporting them in every physical need which is a wonderful reality of just that servanthood goes to the poor. And now he's given examples of don't curse the deaf because they can't hear you. Not, not just because of that, but because they deserve the respect as a child of God, not to be cursed. And also don't put anything in the way of a blind person, meaning you help them in every physical need. It, it really, it's just wonderful. The Levitical law that comes in here where often we think, ah, oh, it doesn't apply to us at all, but my goodness, it, it applies to us completely today. Pastor, we have about 30 seconds left here for before our break. Last thoughts on these. We've, almost, we've hit almost all the commandments so far. Any thoughts? Exactly. And, and uh, you know, it's uh, just, just the care that God, uh, he, he knows what happens in humanity. And just like Jesus says, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So God knows all of the different things that people do. It's sort of like a, it comforts us. But it also reminds us that God is going to hold us to account. 
Well, right now we need to take our break. We are studying uh, Leviticus chapter 19 with Pastor David Boisclair, and we'll be right back. What's happening in Germany's Lutheran churches, where Iranian refugees are flooding through the doors? What new opportunities for sharing the Christian faith are arising in communist Vietnam, and how can my church play a part? Mission speakers, all LCMS pastors from the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, will come to your church, free of charge, to preach and lead Bible studies tying into this exciting work going on all around the world. To schedule your speaker, call LHF at 800-554-0723. And welcome back. We are studying Leviticus chapter 19 with Pastor David Boisclair. And one of the foundational realities of what we're going to study today, continue to study today, is the the, the fact that Jesus has fulfilled all of these laws. That everything we looked at today, um, that we will look at in the Ten Commandments, Jesus has done them all perfectly. And we follow, and so we see him being holy. And what he promises in the divine service, in the word, that we will be made holy on account of his perfection and his cross. And so today, as we see this, it's important for us to always go back. And he says it over and over. And Pastor, I want to hear your thoughts. He continually keeps saying, I am the Lord Yahweh, your God. He continually reaffirms that throughout this whole chapter. Any thoughts on why he's doing that? Well, that's the first words of the Ten Commandments, if you look at uh, Exodus chapter 19. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Remember, you know, in other words, remember who's telling you this. This is not from a human being. This is not, uh, this is not a fallible uh, man. So this is, uh, this is from, uh, from the Lord God who is the Lord of heaven and earth and the one who has, uh, for us, uh, of course, it, it, we re- recognize him as the one who raised our Lord Jesus from the dead. That's sort of like the, the way in which the Israelites would uh, identify their God is they say, this is the God who brought us out of Egypt. Of course, he is the only God. But, but this is some, you know, he basically is taking us back to the beginning of the Ten Commandments, where he says, I am, the, uh, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me, etc. And, and so maybe for us Christians, it might say, I am the Lord your God who rose, raised your Savior from the dead, and mm-hmm. uh, you, you shall uh, follow in my, in my ways. There's definitely a ownership with that. So, for example, if some uh, person owns a business and they're trying to make a decision and someone questions them, that they're able to say, listen, I have a lot to lose in this decision because this is my company. And obviously, you don't want to use that every day. Like, hey, this is all about me. But it is that reaffirmation that, listen, if anybody has the best of intentions for this company, it's me because I own it and I want it to succeed. It's the same thing um, for this, that the Lord gives these commands and he doesn't say, I am the Lord to say, hey, look at me, let me puff up my chest. But he's saying, I am the Lord who, like you said, took you out of Israel, uh, excuse me, out of Israel, excuse me, to Israel (laughs) from Egypt, from slavery. And for us today, we can read it through the interpretive lens. I'm the God who raised my son or had my son die for you and rose from the dead to prove that I want what's best for you. And I think that's exactly what Leviticus reminds us, that he wants what's best and the opportunity for us to serve and to love him. Any last thoughts before we move on, Pastor? 
I think that to God as well uh, kind of promises to assist in helping yeah. us to follow his commands. Ooh, you know, I am the Lord. I, you know, this is me talking to you. You know, I'm here and I'm, 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 I'm uh, commanding you to do this. And I am able to, uh, you know, I have provided that righteousness. I have given you a perfect obedience to that in the alien righteousness of my, my son, Jesus Christ. And now, uh, now you are to uh, follow in my ways, not to earn salvation, but simply to be like me, because I want to have fellowship with you. And, and that, that's, that's the idea. And, and for, the, for the, uh, our, our, our redeemed nature, you know, we have the sinful nature and, the, and, and our new uh, regenerated self, our, 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 the part of us that's a saint uh, in God that delights to hear what God wants us to do. Let's keep moving forward. I believe I'm I'm kind of getting excited here this morning. We just got done with verse 14. Now we're in 15, right, Pastor? Yes. Oh, oh yeah, yes. Right. Uh, I think it's. <laughs> oh, we did. We just did the ones about the um, uh, about uh, oh, the blind and deaf. I think the. Oh wait! Well, yep. yes. So we're in fifteen. Yep. I, I, we're in 15. I I apologize. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I'm 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 really throwing you for a loop this morning. I maybe need more coffee. I'm not sure. Okay, fifteen through eighteen. As we read on, you shall not do injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. And you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. Okay, I am the Lord Yahweh. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So all this gets summed up, like you said, 1918, 1918. Love your neighbor as yourself. What what did he all tell us in these verses? Well, it, it's it's uh, more of a uh, uh, commands that are related to the Ten Commandments. Um, you know, it 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 really there is a kind of a case in point in our own nation today that there is evidence of uh, people rendering justice on others uh, because of their political views. And, and no matter what their political views, this is contrary uh, not only to God's will, but also to uh, a just nation and its just laws. And so this shows that it is evil uh, to, to show partiality. And God m- emphasizes this throughout his his word that he is not a god of partiality he does not regard the face of anyone and especially when they use uh you know maybe justice or the arm of the law or the government in order to kill people and a, a, a case in point is the case of Ahab and Jezebel king Ahab mm. uh king of Israel uh, he wanted a vineyard uh, that was owned by Naboth and uh, Jezebel uh, used the court system of the day to kill Naboth in order for King Ahab to, uh, gr- uh, you know, seize his property. And and uh, and rather, it's interesting how how that's sort of like a, a that the Lord repays uh, Ahab and Jezebel in that way. But but th- th- this is this is a command that that you should not, especially you should not use the government or or uh, the criminal justice system to. Um, 
kill your enemies, uh, you know, or, or to silence your enemies. Uh, then, then it also, I think what is really neat is where it says that you need to reason with your brother. And that means that's the important thing is if somebody does you wrong, you need to, uh, in peace, go and tell them about it. That's why Jesus says, uh, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And so that's kind of like a precursor to what our Lord uh, institutes in the stages of admonition. And that is a that is a great it's a great reminder for us, kind of like uh, "Do not let the sun go down on your anger" from Ephesians, where it's so easy for us to um, become Mara. You know, like you mentioned the Book of Ruth. You know, she comes back and she's bitter, and she's like, "Don't call me, don't call me Naomi. You call me, call me Mara. I'm bitter." We're studying this in our church right now, so it's it's fun to think yes. about that. Where to reason frankly. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, to reason frankly, is this that understanding of you're a child of God, the Christ has died for you, I am the same, we are united by God's holiness, not our own. So we're going to have these disagreements, we're going to have these times of bitterness. How I how I think that you are, are reacting is not just because you're being whatever, uh, being illogical or being a jerk or whatever it might be is, you might be dealing with something. And I pray for the same patience for others when they deal with me, because it's like, wait a second, this guy, that's not normal. He must be dealing with something right now. So this is very helpful for us, that idea and that holy, the fruit of the Holy Spirit of patience of, okay, am I being partial? Am I reasoned frankly with my neighbor? Um, because we don't want to bear grudges because grudges do not ever end well. So your thoughts before we move on, Pastor? Very uh, thank you for for those statements. Also, it's interesting that the the uh, summary of the second table of the law, "You shall love your neighbor as yourself," shows that it is God's will that we should love ourselves. Uh, you know, mm. God created us. We are a cre- I am a creature of God. I should also love myself and 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 uh, and and basically take care of myself. And not uh, not putting myself above others, of course. But the, right. the point is, is that it's not wrong uh, to love yourself. And to um, and to celebrate the fact that God has made you and and you are His creature. Uh, there's a quote that I've, I've used before, and someone used it again. Used it to me is self deprecation. Self deprecation is not a virtue. So to uh, to put yourself down yeah, all actually. the time is not a virtue. <laughs> so it's just it's just kind of funny how we'll do that, and especially as Minnesotans, we'll do this. We're like, well, I'm not very good at that. Yucky, 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 yuck. And and we don't allow um, to give thanks for yourself because God has created you, and and we're very thankful because He has. And and so it's just a reminder uh, not to love yourself and like you said in an idle way. But in a way of, you know, God has has created me as his own um, to be with him in his kingdom is a good reminder for us always. So, Pastor, I do have a question that came in. I want to go through a few more of our verses so we can get through our text today. But just be ready. There's a, a question that has come through in the email. So um, let's continue to move on. Though. Verse 19 and let's go through 22. You shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your cattle breed with a different kind. You shall not sow your field with two kinds of seed, nor shall you wear a garment of cloth made by two kinds of material. If a man lies sexually with a woman who is a slave, assigned to another man and not yet ransomed or given her freedom, a distinction shall be made. They shall not be put to death because she was not free, but she shall bring his compensation to the Lord Yahweh. 
to the entrance of the tent of meeting, a ram for a guilt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the guilt offering before the Lord for his sin that he has committed, and he shall be forgiven for the sin that he has committed. Now, Pastor, I want to stop there. How would you precursor this? What kind of law is this? The ritual, civil, or moral? Well, uh, I think there is uh, all three of them at play here. Uh, you, uh, you, in a sense, you have, I, I, but more, it's more ceremonial or ritual law, but there's also uh, a political or civil law as well that's mm-hmm. going on here. Uh, you know, it's interesting uh, in 19 and 20, or no, ninth verse 19 is kind of uh, unusual. You know, you, uh, so I can't uh, hook my um, ox with my donkey when I uh, do my plowing and I should not uh, mix the seed. Well, you know, maybe what that is, as as the commentators mention, is that God has made distinctions when he created the world and all of the things in the world. And uh, the uh, I, I think it's sort of like an adiaphora here, uh, just mm. as a case in point. Uh, the Reformed, which is, of course, those that are uh, Protestants that oppose Lutheran uh, Lutherans, said that it's necessary in when you celebrate the Lord's Supper that you fracture or, or break the host or the bread. Uh, it has to be bro- broken because it is a symbol of Jesus dying on the cross. And uh, so the Lutherans, in conf- uh, saying that, according to Scripture, the uh, breaking of the bread was to distribute uh, the bread. So therefore, we are we are making this a confessional uh, ceremony where we refuse in when we celebrate the Lord's Supper to break the host or break the bread. That, but mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like an adiaphora, which means an indifferent thing. You can break it or not break it. I, I sometimes I break it. I've broken it before or not. But at least at a time of confession, when there are people that are saying you can't do it or are saying you do it for the wrong reason, that you are just simply refuse to do it that way. And so in this particular case, there there's probably things where the use of different uh, seeds or different animals was part of a ritual of a pagan god, and so God was saying, okay, you're not going to follow that, you know, so so when you when you only sow one thing in your field, uh, you only use, uh, if you're going to use oxen, use oxen, if you don't use an ox and a donkey, you know, so that, that kind of thing. Now then the next thing, of course, is the thing about the slave, um, and, and, and again, there, there is a command uh, that, that you should not oppress uh, uh, a, a, a female slave in this in this manner, and um, uh, you know there there it, it, and again so there's the business about bringing a guilt offering that is basically pointing to Christ who is the uh, true guilt offering for his sin. And so as you look at this, I, there's one question that came in, and I want to get your thoughts. Is the question was is the explicit purpose of loving the neighbor a precursor? to practical ways to minister God's grace while in this side of heaven. Do you want me to say that again? No, I think, yes, that, that is correct. It is a precursor uh, because, uh, you know, and, 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 and the other thing is, is it basically, uh, you know, when you, you value uh, your neighbor as much as you value yourself, and as you would intend on on uh, being, you know, going to to be with the Lord uh, at the end of life, or or living a a um, a blessed life, a happy life. So you should you should also desire that for your neighbor. So 
definitely it is kind of like a, a precursor of that. I would I would say yes to that question. It definitely has a, a, a flow to it almost, because if you are asking that question and the Holy Spirit gives us um, that insight, uh, then yeah, your, 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 your service to your neighbor will naturally flow from that. Because if you're thinking of other people, of how can I love this person as I love myself? Um, or what would I do, you know, so forth, that is going to, that's going to be a, a flowing, like a waterfall, the, like the love that gets poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, Romans chapter five, flows from us to other people, because you're asking that question, how can I love my neighbor as myself? Um, which is, a, I think it, it's, a, it's a holy way to talk, isn't it? We don't, I would say we don't talk that much as Christians. It, would you say make the same argument? I, I guess I, I usually don't yes. put myself into the equation. I always think, what does God want? As opposed to, okay, how can I love this person as I would love myself? Is it is a holy and good way to live? What people need to do in this world is to ask themselves, when, when, when something is done that is harmful to others or harmful to me, you know, you, you need to walk a mile in your neighbor's shoes. You you know, yeah. How would yeah. you like it? How would you like it? If you did this to, or if this was done to you, you know, that, that like love your neighbor as you love yourself. Uh, you know, it's interesting that um, uh, Jesus said uh, the golden rule is do unto others as you had others do unto you. Uh, the uh, Confucius, the Chinese sage, uh, kind of switched that around and said what you don't want other people to do to you, don't do to them. And so, you know, the mm. idea here is to. Uh, you know, walk a mile in their shoes and, and ask yourself, you know, looking at somebody suffering in, or, you know, you, uh, someone else suffering an injustice on because of you, because you inflicted an injustice on them. How would you like it if that was in, 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 in that if you were subject to that injustice? That's very helpful and obviously points us to Jesus, as you said, because Jesus has walked a mile in our shoes. I mean, God himself has done that. And so that is such a powerful reality for you, our listeners, and for for pastors and for everybody, that the Lord Jesus has walked in your shoes, and he helps us along the way. What a powerful thing. So, Pastor, let's keep moving forward. We're going to be about about eight, eight minutes left in our time. When you come into the land and plant any kind of tree or food, then you should regard it as its fruit as forbidden. Three years it shall be forbidden for you. It must not be eaten. In the fourth year, all its fruit shall be holy, an offering of praise to the Lord. But in the fifth year, you may eat of its fruit to increase its yield for you. I am the Lord your God. You shall not eat any flesh with the blood in it. You shall not interpret omens and tell fortunes. You shall not round off the hair on your temples or Mar the edges of your beard. You shall not make any cuts of your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord Yahweh. Do not profane your daughter by making her a prostitute, lest the land fall into prostitution and the land become full of depravity. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Do do not turn to mediums or necromancers. Do not seek them out and make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. You shall stand up before the gray head and the honor of the face of the old man, and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. 
You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you and the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You shall not wrong in judgment. You do no wrong in judgment, in measures of length, of weight, or quantity. You shall have just balances, just weights, a just ephah, a just hen. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and you shall observe all my statutes and all my rules and do them. I am the Lord Yahweh. Now, Pastor, we have a lot of different, uh, uh, um, uh, what do you call it, laws here, various laws. And one of them that I did get an email concerning was often the church will say historically that, okay, you cannot go to mediums. But at the same time, they seem to have changed their view on tattoos, that tattoos are okay, but still mediums are not. What are your thoughts? Well, um, to some extent, um, you know, not, God has called us to freedom in Christ. Um, and and uh, perhaps the reason for some of these laws, they are, they are ceremonial laws, uh, are because you want to uh, distance yourself from people that uh, worship uh, idols or worship false gods, uh, you know, like di- different customs that they have, like leaping over a threshold or like rounding the uh, uh, hair on your head or, or something like that, or, or, or tattoos, uh, you know, sort of like a case in point, you have the um, on Mount Carmel where Elijah challenged the, the uh, prophets of Baal or Baal, and and they cut themselves, and they and they, uh, you know, of course their their God is not existent, so it didn't answer them, uh, and and so uh, it, it, you kind of have to gauge uh, what the um, case is in the in the world today, um, because like uh, like for instance with tattoos, I I would say that that's a ceremonial law, however, of course it it involves uh, doing something to your body. Uh, you know, again, uh, is it harmful? Uh, is it is it um, you know that, that that that's something you have to decide for yourself because we have to some extent a freedom in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in in other cases, obviously, cutting yourself is something that's evil because you're doing harm to yourself. Um, but but I would say that this is this is kind of like part of that ritual. Although you know, it it kind of uh, mixes in uh, business like do not uh, you know pr- prostitute your daughter. That you know that so that's right. um, like uh, cult prostitution. So you can see that um, uh, the first commandment is really involved in all of this right. because uh, you know uh, you which God are you worshiping? You know, and and I, the Lord your God, want you to stand out to the world as a witness to my holiness and a witness to me, and and uh, that's that's how I would how how I would look at this, and especially in thirty one, and that's very helpful, Pastor, because we admit the I guess you say the battle of how do we look at this within the context, not taking away what God has to say, and looking at like you talk about ritual, civil, moral law. In verse 31, it talks about, do not turn to mediums or necromancers that do not seek them out. I am the Lord your God. This is the first commandment issue. If you're looking to mediums, you're not looking to the Lord. If you get a tattoo, part of that comes to, what was the ritual? Like you said, there were groups that would um, would cut themselves and they would mark themselves to show that they were not part of Yahweh, not part of God. And so the question is, what are the intentions of someone getting a tattoo? 
And that's something I think is I think is deeply personal. I think everyone has to admit that it does proclaim something. And the question is, how do you make sure the proclamation is in the right way? The intentions are the right way. Um, and that's good for us to always remember. When you go to a medium, you clearly are not looking to the Lord for help. You're looking for an outside source. Um, you have other uh, realities. And then he turns into, this is where it can get confusing. He talks about, okay, strangers have come. How will you treat the stranger? You know, because it might be an angel, uh, unknown, that kind of language we see throughout the scriptures. And then he brings it all back. I am the Lord, your God. You're going to mediums. Remember this. I am the Lord, your God. Getting tattoos. Remember this. I am the Lord, your God. And so it ends with, this is what the Lord does. He delivers his people and he delivers you. Pastor, we have about two minutes left. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on how would you summarize this and what it means for us today? This chapter. Well, uh, that uh, I would summarize it in, in saying that, uh, uh, you know, God, uh, there's the family of creation. All of us are, you know, are, have a common humanity and, and we should cherish and protect and care for one another, but also that we put God first by the grace of God and, and that we are a family of faith. And that, uh, you know, it, 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 I think that as the apostle says that the fulfillment of, this, of these commandments is love. It is love that that uh, the love of Christ that that guide, guides us and directs us to uh, live in this world, and and uh, we we rejoice that you know it's kind of like uh, at times uh, in in Scripture, God, uh, you know God reveals to his uh, Moses and the prophets, you know the the people will say what a what a blessed people that their God has taken the time to give these laws to them, these holy laws, these just laws. And, and, and it's just to uh, get the world to say, wow, what a great God and what a great Savior we have in Jesus Christ. Now, Pastor, you are uh, a faithful man. You know, you are, are one that, that takes the word serious. You, you love your theology. You love the people that God puts in front of you. For somebody who's listening today and they're like, I want to follow God's way. I need help doing this. What would be your encouragement? As I guess you can be, you can get caught in the weeds in Leviticus because we went through almost every commandment, and I'm I am already feeling convicted because I realize how I failed as a father, um, and as a husband, and everything else in between. I want to follow God's way. What would be your encouragement to our listeners? Well, I guess and to me as well as a pastor. Uh, we have about a minute left. What would be your encouragement as we hear these words? Well, obviously, we're going to, uh, uh, you know, I know that we shouldn't, uh, you know, be self-deprecating, but we should always confess our sins. You know, mm -hmm. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. You know, uh, find out a, a, a Christian church, a Christian church which preaches the pure Word of God. Go to church, uh, you know, be, be, be involved uh, you know, in other words, interact with other Christians. They have the best, your best interests at heart. And, uh, you know, study his word, study the Holy Scriptures. Uh, if you need help, uh, reach out. Uh, talk, and, and, and do not reach out to human uh, uh, authorities like uh, fortune tellers or whatever, or any other human uh, thing, but reach out to the Lord your God. Pastor David Boyce-Claire of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri, giving us God's strong word from Leviticus chapter 19. Pastor Boyce-Claire, thank you again for being our guest. It's a, it's a blessing, and may, may God richly bless our people in this very dark world. 
Saints of our Lord, Jesus has walked a mile in your shoes. It tells us very clearly today, love your neighbor as yourself. And that love that comes from the Lord is what our foundation is. To love your neighbor starts with God's love. And as we are ones who are loved by God, we love one another. But we end always, as Pastor Boy's clear, always ends it with that the love of God is what is poured into us, and therefore we love others. But first of all, you know who you are, a child of God. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.